welcome to Reframe Your Life, a podcast for women who want to live and lead their lives differently and explore topics relevant to all areas of their life. Hi, Life Reframers, and welcome to episode 33. Today, I'm very excited to interview a very special guest. This person has over 20 years of international experience in learning and development. Her passion is learning and helping others to reach their full potential in their lives. She has been married for over 30 years, to the same man, I might add, (laughs) has two adult children, two grandchildren and a cat. Do you know who it is, guys? I am interviewing my fellow podcast host, Sandy Reynolds. Hi, Sandy. (laughs) Hi, Joanne. That was very good. I have to tell you, I'm a little uh, anxious, I guess, to be honest. I'm thinking, where is this going to go? It's so much easier to be interviewing than to be interviewed. But I think it's good. It will be good for me when I interview people to go through this process myself. Totally. So Life Reframers, we had a bit of an aha moment as we were planning our 2017 episodes and we realized our very, very first episode, we did a a bit of an introduction into who we are, but we haven't really had an opportunity to interview each other. So uh, Sandy is up first and I have the pleasure asking her some fun questions. So (laughs) first up, Sandy... We speak a lot about work, we speak a lot about leadership, we speak a lot about being in control, careers. So I want to know, and it's kind of a two-part question, but I want to see what you answer at the first, first part first. <laughs> <laughs> what was the very first paid job you ever had? How old were you and what was it? Oh, my gosh. So my first paid job was when I was in high school. I was probably around 14 or 15. I worked for a real estate agent and I prepared the offers for houses. So way back in the day, we had to make five carbon copies. Oh, and <laughs> I swear we typed them on an IBM Selectric. So I'm a thousand years old. You forgot to say that. And the... <laughs> And I would, so I would be there in the evening. I think I worked two nights a week and all day Saturday. And if a agent had a offer going in on the house, I would work with them. They would sit and tell me what to put in the offer and I'd prepare the offers for them. So actually a pretty (laughs) weird job for your first job when you think of it, you know, but that was my first job. Awesome. So I think that I can ask this second follow-up question then. What was your first real job when you finished school? Did you go on to university or college straight away? No, I didn't go right away. I went a little bit later in my 20s. But I, um, when I first graduated from high school, really, it, it's interesting for me to think about where women were when I was graduating high school and how much that's changed. But the only people who really went to university were people who want women who wanted to be a nurse, a, te- mm-hmm. a teacher, or some of the people who wanted to like, there was one woman in my class or girl in my class who her parents were both lawyers, and she wanted to go mm-hmm. to law. 
So I would say probably 40% of the women graduating high school when I graduated went on to university or college and the rest went into the workplace because in those days as well, I really feel like I'm sounding old, but things have changed <laughs> dramatically. There was definitely within corporations, entry-level jobs that allowed you to work your way up and Whoa. also get educated and training at the same time. So maybe at night school or, or um, in, in different ways, you could go on and get, get your education. So my first real job, to answer your question, was I worked for a company called Kodak and my dad worked there, my mother had worked there, my sister worked there, and my <laughs> brother worked there, all at some point in our lives. But my dad was a lifer there. And uh, I worked in, you started in the mailroom. Everybody started in the mailroom. And so um, it was a huge corporation. There were 30-something buildings, and they had this intricate system of mail that went through tubes like by these suction pipes from building to building <laughs> and so I worked in building 11 in the mail room and all this inter-office so there were no computers so every every paper that had to go from department to department was sent by this really weird system of these tubes and I would open these inter-office envelopes and then take them to whoever needed to get them in the building and I actually loved it because it was a very physical job like I just was I knew everybody in the building it was very social I'd bring them their deliveries and uh, get to to know everyone and mm. get a feel for the business and I actually think it's a great way to start out in a, if you want to work in a corporation because you really get a sense of sort of the flow of the operations mm. so did you know like in high school, you know, I remember, I think grade 11, you know, we had the career options class and, you know, the teachers invite all these guests from various careers to come and talk to us. And then we're supposed to choose in grade 11 and 12 what we want to do when we grow up. I don't know how we can change that. I think it's very difficult for a young person to really know. Mm -hmm. Um did you know what you wanted to do when you were in high school? Like I didn't have a clue. Uh, so I yeah. was a party girl in high school. Probably no surprise there. <laughs> oh, me too. <laughs> so I wasn't really long-term thinking about my life <laughs> in high school. I was really living for the weekend. And I didn't think a lot about it. And I do. I know now it's even younger. So in the high school now, you have to pick your stream before you go into grade 9 of what you want to pursue. And I think, I personally think it's a broken system. So I have asked people how many of them are in jobs that existed 10 years ago, especially if I'm working mm. in an IT sector and the majority of people are in jobs that didn't even exist five, 10 or 15 years ago. Uh -huh. So how in, in the beginning, like when you're 12 or 13, can you even predict what jobs there will be available to you in the future? I think we live in a world where technology is changing the workplace so quickly to expect people to pick paths, career paths is ludicrous. So uh. as you now know, listeners, I'm fairly opinionated. <laughs> <laughs> 
I look at someone like Ashley who absolutely knew he wanted to be an engineer. He knew that from a young age in school. He worked very hard at it. He still is, you know, 20 years on an engineer. I mean, he's moved into management and leadership, but he's still in his same uh, field of expertise. And I am very much on the other side of, uh, if people have heard the research that many people these days have seven careers. I'm on that side of the coin. Right. Um, speaking of career decisions, what was the one of the best career decisions you made in your life? Well, for me, going into learning and development was probably my best career decision. And that came about, we were living in Regina and I, I don't know if I've told this story before, but I was working for a government in, in a government role there for um, the Department of Economic Development. Ooh. And they were a crown corporation that was going through a wind down. So they were shutting down because of largely political corruption in there. <laughs> so they were um, shutting down that branch and rebranding and reopening them um, under in a different way. So all of the people that worked there were losing their jobs. And I was just, I had went there as a temp. Brian was doing his master's degree in Saskatchewan and we had moved there. And I had just gone there as a temp and I was working in communications. And when they were shutting down the organization, they sent all of the employees for different um, courses to support them in the transition. And the one that they sent me on was change management. And mm -hmm. I remember sitting there and it was the first time actually in my entire life. And I was around 30 at this point. I'd had, I had both my kids. So I was probably around 32 and I was listening to this woman talk about change management and she was taking us through these activities and having us sketch things out and draw things and do this group work and talk about change and I thought, oh my goodness, this is what I want to do with my life. It was like the first time. So, you know, imagine having to decide when I was 12. I didn't figure it out until I was in my 30s that I even wanted to do learning and development. So when we moved back to Ontario, I decided to take a life skills coaching course. So it Ooh. was a little bit different than life coaching, but it was really the only adult education course at that time for people who wanted to do learning and development. It was a, a um, program I talked to them at the university in Regina who had done our training and that's what they recommended. So I did that and I went back into temp work and when I was doing um, temp work for this agency, I was doing some computer skills upgrading and I started talking to the guy who ran the training center and he ended up hiring me. Oh. And although I didn't want to do technical skills training, I did it for about a year and it really helped me kind of get my foot in the door in terms of what I wanted to do. So I would say being willing to go into a related field to start with helped open the door a little bit so I could get into once I had that training experience to offset the um, education I had in it I was able to apply for more soft skills training mm -hmm. 
Yeah, take that leap. That's awesome. Yeah. So I know you've gone through some different phases of your career and your business. Well, tell us, when did you branch out on your own? Okay, I just want to laugh because I think I've gone through some different phases this week. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like the queen of reinvention. So, (laughs) And we'll hear about that. But when did you... So I know you did corporate training and development. Yes. Were you always an entrepreneur, a solopreneur doing it, or were you? did you actually work for a company? I don't work um, well for other people. I think that's <laughs> – so my first um, time that I worked on my own was when we moved back to – so temp work for me was sort of a step into that because mm. temp work is very much contract-based and you're doing like a week here or six months somewhere or whatever. So mm-hmm. it's already got that sort of feeling to it of being self-employed in a way. And then I took a contract working for a friend of mine who had started a software company and I worked from home for him. And that was probably my first Mm. um, job I did as a self-employed person. Once I started getting into training and development, um, it was very much uh, outsourced by a lot of companies. So it made sense to be on my own. And so my probably my first two real training and development or learning and development roles were contracts that I did as a self-employed person. And then one of them was Air Canada, so a major airline in Canada. And they hired me full-time to do learning and development. And I did it there for about a year. And then I decided that I really liked working on my own because of the... I just had to do a lot of travel and I had Mm. little kids at home and a lot of for weeks I would leave on Sunday night and come home Friday night. It was just a lot of travel. And I decided to approach them about um, working part time and they said no, but they were willing to hire me as an external consultant. So I quit and then I worked for them as an external consultant for about 10 years. So it's funny how uh, things happen when we open or close different doors, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. The whole traveling is not as glamorous as people would oh, like to. Business <laughs> traveling is to me, I, I think there's a nice amount of business travel, like a couple of trips a year, kind of nice. Yeah. If you're going somewhere and you can stretch it out and do something but that flying in and then just living in a hotel, going to work and going back to a hotel, it can be such a lonely life, you know, and it's just, um, yeah, I, I don't, for me, I don't think it's glamorous at all. Yeah, <laughs> you've experienced that side. <laughs> okay, so fast forward to 2017, tell us about... Your business, sandyreynolds.com. Well, sandyreynolds.com is your website. Yes. What's your, what's your business? So years ago, I, I've just been re, rediscovering this. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to be like a rogue interviewee now. I'm just going to totally go <laughs> off in my own direction. But years ago, I read a book called Refuse to Choose. And I'll put that in the show notes. So even though I'm being interviewed, I'm still doing the show notes. <laughs> I love it. 
And this woman had this theory about work and her theory was that um, she calls some people are scanners and scanners are people who will never do one job all their life. They're always going to be wanting to do something else. And so <laughs> there, there can be a kind of a stigma against people who change careers and change jobs. And so she wrote this book, which I found just so enlightening for me. And she said that you have to figure out what your nectar is in work. So why are you working and what really feeds you? And that can help guide you in your career. So I realized that my nectar is learning. So oh. as long as I'm learning in a job or a position, I'm happy as can be. The minute it becomes routine and I'm not learning anymore, like that once that learning curve is over, I completely lose my interest in it. Like I don't want to be, I don't think mastery is as important to me as learning. So I, I um, love what I do because it allows me to, under the umbrella of adult education or corporate training or learning and development, take what's really caught my attention and offer that to my clients and as a learning opportunity or a learning program for them. So I would describe myself as someone who is a learning and development professional, and I specialize in leadership development in organizations. Right now, I'm wanting to pivot my career a little bit into refining my market and moving it away from a predominantly corporate market to working with women specifically. And so I'm doing a really deep dive into what that would look like right now. So I don't know if that is clear at all, but I do work. I've done Myers-Briggs, training, team development, change management, organizational development, all kinds of learning and development in organizations. And I'm just mm -hmm. wanting to change that to working with, with women in helping them in their transitions in life to really think about where they want to go next. Mm. You know, that makes total sense where you just talk about their transitions in life because transitions are a key point of substantial learning as well. True. And, yeah, I never yeah. thought of that, but you're right. Yes. No, yeah, just as you were talking, I'm like, yeah, it's – and can I just – I know it's not about me, but I just have to say Make thank it about, you. For, it's about and, us. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Thank you for enabling me. So I often say I'm good in a job until I get bored. And I think it's the same thing about am I learning, am I being challenged? And once I get to this certain point of stability, then I don't want to do I don't want I, I want to move on. I want to move on. So yeah. Oh that's yeah. Yeah, so you're a scanner. And so what this woman said, yeah. I'll have to find this book if it's still in print. There are serial scanners, so there are people who will go from, oh, I'm a real estate agent, and now I learned all about real estate, and now I'm going to go back to school, and I'm going to train, and I'm going to be a chef. 
Oh, and they just go into like completely different careers. And then there are um, people who are, she called them more, I think, I'm trying to remember this from a long time ago, like plate spinners. So they're trying to keep lots of different things going at the same time. And then I think that I have stayed within my passion of learning Mm. and um, working with people to help them grow and develop. But my, my topics that I've worked, you know, that I've taught people and worked with people on have changed. Mm. Yeah. I, I love that. I will want, I want, want that book myself. Yeah, you're right. There's a stigma. There is a stigma. And as I've moved around and looked at my resume, <laughs> different job, different job, right. similar, similar area, very transferable skills. That's why being self-employed is great because it's yeah. still all under the same company. So your resume is, yes, I've been running Sandy Reynolds yeah. Incorporated for I love that 15 years. So it's, you know, you can, you it looks cohesive. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I help people learn and grow and you just change the niche. Love it. Transitions. And we did a podcast all about transitions I want to say, was that two episodes ago, Sandy? Uh, uh, I don't have yeah, it with me right now. Yeah, I think right it was now. like episode 31, 30, yeah, 31 in it'll there. Be, yeah. yeah, 30 or 31. So if you want to hear all about uh, um, our collective opinions on, on transitions, have a look at that, and that's certainly an area uh, Sandy is focusing on right now, which I love. What do you say, although corporate may, may not be the area you're going to continue, but it's, it's an area you have significant amount of experience in. Working in corporate and for corporate at certain times is when times are tough, when organizations are going through significant change and transition, when they should be investing in training and learning and development, they don't. <laughs> That's the first budget cut in so the line true. item where their people need that kind of constant support. So, yeah, have you kind of come up with any strategy to help organizations understand that actually they should continue to focus on their people rather than not? So I think part of the problem is the experience that organizations have with training. So Mm. they, they don't see the return on investment because they tend to buy off-the-shelf training that is you know, supposed to fit in every organization instead of really being customized to their, their employees. So they go into these big, we used to call it flavor of the month programs, you know, Mm. so everybody's all excited about whatever, whatever it is, you know, let's, I'm just going to say time management training because I've never actually done any time management training. So, (laughs) and so they put all their employees through these programs and then they don't really see any difference. They don't see Mm. any results. So I think that when I talk to an organization and they are not open to it, if you can build the program to say, these are the learning objectives that we have, and these are created to really address issues in your organization and then you create a training program to support those learning objectives. 
and then you measure those results later and then you can come back to them and say so you know maybe you do a pre and post test or something with their employees that actually measures and says people's behavior has changed because of this oh. training and I think that most organizations are not good at doing a proper needs assessment of what their employees need. And so they just go with what looks shiny and new at whatever trade show they're at that has, <laughs> you know, uh, vendors for learning and development. And then they never follow up and measure the results or they never support training with coaching. So mm -hmm. learning is not an event. That's what I tell people. You can't go to a one-day training event and expect to see great results. So if you really want to see results, you need to follow up with some sort of coaching later. Working, you know, the best results I've ever, I ever get is when I do at least one one-on-one -on -one coaching session which with each person who is in the training to really talk about where they're getting stuck how it how it works in their specific situation in the organization mm. it's so true it's behavior change and mm -hmm. it's very very hard to change one's behavior and we know that through well, here here's where i go off on my tangent because that's one of my passions, behavior change, you know, whether it be fitness, healthy eating, nutrition, quit smoking. I mean, it, it doesn't just happen by going to one seminar and going, oh, smoking's bad for me. Okay, I'll stop, you know. Like it's very, very hard. There's so many psychological issues that, that yeah, need that extra one-to-one -one support. I love it. Yeah. So why women, Sandy? Why women? I, that's a good question. I think it might have to do with uh, my stage of life right now. Mm -hmm. I think that I'm shifting in my career to thinking a little bit more legacy. Where, where do I want to end my career in the next 10 years? How do I want to, um, where do I feel like I could have the biggest impact? I love what we do. We have a predominantly female listener with Reframe Your Life. I feel like my biggest impact tends to be with women. And mm -hmm. that's that's somewhere I want to focus, you know, whether it's um, just helping women to really step outside and grow in their own confidence and to really start to create the kind of life that they want and work against some of the barriers and challenges that I think all women face. Mm. Yeah, love it. Really love it. So thank you for talking about, you know, your business a little bit more and some of your work and, and, and what feeds your soul. I'm just going to take another little pivot now. What is still on your top 10 either to do or to see or to experience kind of list. I don't need all your top 10, but what okay. are some things? <laughs> yeah, I don't need all the top. But what are the things where you're like, I need to do that um, before I can't? <laughs> right. I think I'd like to write a book. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm pretty sure I'll write a book at some point. And so that on would be... what do you know what that would be on? No, not exactly Not yet. yet. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that would be on my list. I would love to go on a pilgrimage. So I used to want to walk the Camino 
And then it became like this really trendy thing to do. And I kind of lost my desire to do it because it felt like everybody I knew was doing that. Uh-huh. So I'm now thinking I would like to do like a pilgrimage in Scotland or somewhere mm. and just like do a long walk. That's what I mean by pilgrimage. Like just do like a, a really, um, you know how we do yeah. our fall hikes when we do yep, our big fall totally. hikes, something like yep. that. But for I might be able to help you. Our neighbor went last year and they walked like they walked for 10 days and they just stopped at B and B's along the way. Oh, I just had to connect with them. Yeah, I'll have to get their itinerary and stuff. So, yeah, didn't know. See, we spend so much time together and I didn't even know that's why. (laughs) That really appeals to me to do. uh, I've seen them in Italy as well. Yeah. That there's some what you can do. So, something like that. Mm. I've always wanted to go to India. My son went to Mumbai and um, I know it's a crazy city, but. I still like to go there. Want to experience it? Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I would. So, and then the first place I ever really wanted to travel in my life was Australia. Right. I did a whole project on Australia when I was like in public school and I still remember how much I wanted to go to Australia. So yeah, um, someday go to Australia. So those are places I'd like to go, a few things I'd like to do. Um Oh, God, I, next time I go to Australia, we're going to have to go. Maybe I can go like a bit earlier and you could come with me. Yeah. And we could do great. some podcasts. Oh, that would awesome. be fantastic. Probably like enough, yeah, I think. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. So as you said, learning is a very important part of – Oh, wait, I'm of, going to interrupt oh. you. I have one more. Dog, <laughs> sl- dog sledding. Oh, really? Yeah. Just like, like on a little – Yeah, I'd like to go right. dog sledding. Okay. Okay, that's all. Okay, that sounds good. <laughs> um, so learning is a very important part of, of who you are and what you like to do. So is there any other learning? And, of course, what you've just said, you'll be lots, there'll be lots of learning experiences within that. But is there any other learning, whether it be formal or informal, that you want to do? Um, I would like to. I've another thing is kind of something I wanted to do that I just remembered as well is life drawing. I've always wanted to take Mm. an art class and I, and specifically in life drawing, the whole idea of sketching, watching someone and that charcoal and the easel and drawing someone really appeals to me. So at some point I think I will take a life drawing class. Uh Cool. Sandy, this has been an awesome conversation. I have a few quick fire questions. Okay. So, but, but before we wrap up, is there any question you want to answer that you wish you had been asked? (laughs) (laughs) That's such a Sandy question. (laughs) I think you asked it of one of our other guests. I'm like, that's an interesting question. (laughs) Well, I guess what I'm really saying, is there anything else you'd like to share with the listeners? Um... No, I can't. That's there's so many things like I could yeah. talk. I could talk about myself all day. Yeah. We get an opportunity <laughs> to do this every week. Okay, quick fire questions. I know the first one's really going to upset you, and if and if our listeners listen to us regularly, they're going to know it's going to upset you too. But you can only say one. Favorite book? Gift from the Sea by Anne Mora Lindbergh. Okay, you got to put that in the show notes. Favorite movie? My Dinner with Andre. Favorite 
vacation? Ireland. Awesome, Sandy. Well, it's been really fun, and I still learned something about you that I didn't know. That's great. I, I love this. Can't wait till the tables are turned. <laughs> Tune in. It'll be a few episodes time that Sandy interviews me. Well, in the meantime, Sandy, how do people get hold of you? Obviously, they can through reframeyourlife.ca, but what's your uh, social media stuff? So sandyreynolds.com is my website, Sandy A. Reynolds on Instagram. And I'm not a big Facebooker, so I won't even yeah, put that no. out there. Sandy is a huge Instagrammer. And uh, so, uh, yeah, and, and shares a lot of uh, her own personal self-reflections and learning and, and is the wonderful Instagrammer on behalf of, uh, of, of Reframe here. So thank you, Sandy. Enjoy the rest of your day and life reframers. Check out some of the books and uh, get in touch. Thanks, Joy. Have a good Have a good day. Hi, life reframers. Did you enjoy our episode today? If so, please leave a review on iTunes or Google Play. Also, check us out on all our social media avenues via reframeyourlife.ca.